While Andrew and Craig believe the joy of discovery is crucial to enjoying any well-told tale, they will not shy away from spoiling specific story beats when necessary. Plus, these are books you should have read by now. So hey, and welcome to Overdue. This is a podcast about the books that you've been meaning to read. My name is Craig. My name is Andrew. And each week we take a book off of our shelves, be they digital or literal, and discuss it amongst each other and for your ears as well. Right? Now, is, is, a, is an e-book a figurative book now? or is <laughs> No, the, the shelves are figurative. Sorry. The oh, books okay. are not figurative. The books are literal, <laughs> I guess, either way. Um <laughs> They're literally books. They are not physical. They are not physical manifestations of books. I mean, we could have a whole podcast where we talk about whether or not a book is a book if it's an ebook. I guess. What What is a book? Is it? Let's start there. Let's start at the beginning. Is a book the paper <laughs> on which the words are printed, or is a book the ideas that are printed on the paper? Ooh, getting deep. Yeah, just write a book about it. <laughs> it's called our books. Books. Books about books. By books, Alfred T. Books. Is that is that well? People are named Booker, right? Yeah. Like Booker, ever na- Booker T. Bookington. <laughs> books Cosby. Why is he a Cosby? I don't know. Uh, so yeah, I don't know where to go with that. No, nope, um, hi. But Andrew, hi, you everyone. read the book. You read the book this week, right? Yeah, I read a book, and um, t- <laughs> just to fill <laughs> to fill everybody in. In case this is your first episode and you haven't stopped listening already, the the thing that we do every week is one or the other of us reads a book and then explains it to the other one. Yeah, and we are not trying to say that we are literary masters. We are not librarians. We've not read every book that exists. I'm stereotyping stereotyping librarians when i assume that they have read every book in their life that's what you do in library schools they just sit you down in a library <laughs> and they say read this read all these books and now put them in order please <laughs> um so we're kind of coming at it fresh we try to come at these things fresh and that's part of the fun we hope uh, so if we are uninformed about certain things that's kind of the point um, is to get a little informed or at least know what we don't know about how about that yes so I don't know about Dune, Andrew, which I believe yeah. is the book that you read this week. I read Dune by Frank Herbert, and the book the book cover says that it's science fiction's supreme masterpiece. There can wow. be only one. Oh my god! <laughs> We've been reading some books with some like pretty lofty goals. Last time we read the greatest war novel of all time. Mm-hmm. Now we are reading the supremest science fiction novel. Yes, they are only getting more hyperbolic. <laughs> I think next week we'll just read the Bible. I think that's <laughs> the logical culmination of this. Yeah, that's the only one. It, it goes straight, all quiet on the Western Front, then Dune, then the word of the Lord our God. <laughs> uh, so why Dune, Andrew? Have you ever felt like you were on the outside of every joke that has ever been told on the internet? <laughs> I didn't know that you were specifically going to, like, turn hard into the internet there. I've been, like, 
in conversations with people where I didn't know what was going on. Is is really every joke on the internet related to Dune? There are just there are so many of them, and I think I've seen more of them since I read Dune. Probably because I'm like aware of them, and I've oh, also okay. made a couple, which is fun. But, okay. <laughs> but yeah, you see these internet catchphrases about like spice and about about the various jargon that is used throughout dune and um and so i it always kind of been on my list of of books to read and when i was a kid actually my cousin had this dune video game for his his like 386 pc that yeah yeah (laughs) that i thought was pretty cool (laughs) but um i'd never watched the movie and the only thing i know about the movie is it has patrick stewart in it is that now the, the david lynch movie has patrick stewart in it the 80s movie? I, yeah, the 80s movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Unless there were two Dune movies in the 80s. No, 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 no. Okay. I mean, I know I I know about it because I've read up on some David Lynch, but I've yeah, I've never seen it. So Yeah, so it's like it's a pop cultural touchstone of of some of some renown and mm-hmm. it kind of been on my list for a while. So like when we started talking about this that made my my short list of of things I would get around to reading eventually, and so here we are. Would you? All right. So this might be useful to know going into a discussion of a sci-fi book. What is your background in sci-fi, Andrew? Like, what? Where do you draw a lot of your references from, etc.? Well, I think as we've talked about a little, like I I have been known to read like fantasy stuff like mm-hmm. Lord of the Rings and the Wheel of Time. Oh my God. The Wheel of Time. <laughs> <laughs> and um, like my, my dad instilled in us from a young age, a love of Star Trek, even the bad Star Trek. Okay. So. Which I, which I know that that love burns to this day. Is that yeah. true? Right. Yeah. Right. And then to a lesser extent, Star Wars though, I'm way less willing to forgive <laughs> Star Wars is awfulness than some people I know. <laughs> that's that's very fair. Okay. <laughs> so so you just kind of knew that Dune was important, but you didn't necessarily know anything about Dune itself. Right. Okay. Yeah. All right, break it down for me. What the heck is Dune about? Okay. So if if I sat here and just just told you every single thing that happens in Dune, it would be super boring. So I'm going to try and keep it like pretty surface level. Okay, and we can talk about it a little bit, but then I want to get more into like a discussion of how the book is structured and like how it goes about um, introducing you to its to its world. So, Dune. Okay, so the basic arc is kind of a kind of a uh, like a it's it's a lot of there are a lot of politics and there's a lot of like revenge and there's like a messianic figure. So so yeah, I'll I'll try and and. Um, glide over it as smoothly as I can, but there's it's like there's a lot there's just a lot that happens. All right, where so does you, it take place in okay, space? It takes, it ta- okay, it takes place not in space. Like space is there. It's kind of in the, in theory, it's like thousands of years in the future. Okay, and most of the action takes place on Dune. Wait, or, in theory, or the story actually takes place thousands of years. In the the sto- okay, the story I believe actually takes place thousands of years into the future. <laughs> Sorry. And there is, like, interplanetary travel, so, like, space is a thing. Okay. But most of the action takes place on Dune, or in the book, it's called Arrakis. Okay. So, there's this family, the Atreides, I think, I think is the 
how you pronounce the name. And there sure. are lots there are lots of names in this book, and I'm probably going to pronounce them wrong. So do nerds just kind of hold on to your butts? <laughs> are there? And we'll get through this. Are there still Dune nerds? Are there, there like, are like hardcore six, Dune nerds? There are like six, or there are a bunch of books to this series. <laughs> I thought you said there were six Dune nerds. No. <laughs> no, I'm sure there are more than that. I'm sure they there are tens of of Dune nerds. Okay, so the Atreides move, toward, move to the Dune planet. Yeah, now, who are these Arrakis. people? And they're, um, they're kind of taking over management of the planet from this family called the Harkonnens. Okay. The deal with Arrakis is that there is the spice that's made there. Okay. And it's like kind of addictive and it's kind of got um, like life lengthening properties. Cool. And so it's like very valuable. And um, and so whoever controls this spice like controls a substantial part of the like economic, you know, the substantial slice of the economic pie of like this this universe. So it's it's the like MacGuffin of the Dune verse. It is. Everybody yeah. wants it. Yeah. Pretty okay. much. So there's this family, the Harkonnens, and the the like emperor who resides over all these various like royal houses says, "Okay, now the Atreides family is going to come and they're going to rule Arrakis." And so um, the there's the patriarch of the Atreides family uh, whose name is Leto. There's his son Paul and his and like Paul's mom, um, but not Leto's wife. She's like his concubine because she's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's she's part of this, and they're called witches in the book, and and, and I don't know, it seems kind of uh, derogatory to call them witches, but they seem okay with it. Okay. So, like, she is part of this kind of cult of, of, of um, I don't know, what's the word I want? Like, wise women? Oh. Called the, uh... <laughs> okay. <laughs> It's see, it's it's super complicated. I'm trying to. I'm. I'm That's trying not to... an idiom I know. That's the only reason I laughed that you were like wise old. You meant like old wise men, like wise like, women. Yeah, like okay. wis, wisdom women. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're kind of a council of elders, but they're only female. Yeah, and okay. that they're they're called the Benny Jesserits. Okay, great. And um, I'm still working on memorizing Atreides, but I, yeah, I, Atreides I think I'm, is okay. <laughs> that's in my brain because all I see is just Atreyu from the Neverending Story. So I'm good. <laughs> the Atreides are locked in. I'm trying to I'm trying to walk you through now. The, the Benihana the Benihana women live. The Benihana women. They live on Dune. N- well, they're they're all over the place. Like they're 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 kind of the shepherds of of civilization now. Like there are some implications that. Um, that they are aware of like a greater truth and they're um they're kind of responsible for like maintaining genetic diversity among like the families that are that, that are sense. still around right. cool. and um and yeah they're only women because in this universe like only women can handle like the secrets of the universe interesting and so they've got this messianic... I think that's every universe but sure sure yeah <laughs> They've got this um, this messianic figure called the Kwisatz Haderach. I... Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so the greasy hat rack is going to come save us all. Yeah, the greasy hat rack is like a prophecy leader who's going to like unify mm-hmm. everybody. And his deal is that he's going to be a guy who can handle the secret of the universe that the Benny Gesserit people know okay. about. But he's going to be a dude. Okay. But he's going to be his, a dude. That's his thing. 
All right. And so Jessica, who is the, you know, Paul Atreides' mother, thinks that Paul is the Kwisatz Haderach. Okay. Uh, okay. All right. Now, where should I go next? We've est- okay. What do we? Okay, walk me back through what okay. we've established so far. We're on. <laughs> we're on Arrakis. We're on Arrakis. There are we've a bunch the... of women who know the secrets of the universe. Yes. And Paul, right? Is that his name? Yeah, What's his name? yeah, yeah. Okay. Paul. A very normal name in this I universe. Great. Right? All right. Brother <laughs> Paul may or may not be the Grisos Hatterack. Yeah. The... <laughs> I'm just. Yeah. I'm, I tried not to call him the Greasy Hat Rack. I tried to call him what it is, and I don't remember what the you said. Quis- Quisatz Hat Rack. Oh, Quisatz. Yeah, it's K-W-I something something. Sots. All right, great. Yeah. Quisatz <laughs> Hat Rack, and he lives on Dune. Is yes. he the prince of the Atreyu family? Yeah, the Atreides family, yes. Yes, okay. So, okay, the, okay going back to the the, like... I guess those are kind of background elements that you need to know. To yeah, like I don't, get we haven't even hit it. the plot yet. I think I just, I'm no. wrapping my brain around this universe, which is smart. It's necessary. Yeah. So the Atreides family comes to rule Arrakis, but this dude, the Baron Harkonnen, okay. who um, his family has ruled Arrakis for some uh, unspecified amount of time, and they've got like a lot of spice stockpiled and they want to keep control of the spice. Cool. Um, so Baron Harkonnen basically kills Leto Atreides, the, you know, the, the Duke, the, you know, the patriarch of the family. And, um, Paul and Jessica are kind of forced into hiding and, um, they hide with this, this race of people who are like indigenous to Arrakis called the Freemen. Okay. Who have this whole, um, this whole way of life that kind of revolves around, um, making the most of their limited water supply because the deal with dune of course is that it's a desert planet and of course that like water is an extremely limited supply so they've got these like suits that they wear that like convert their waste and sweat and stuff into potable water because they just can't they can't afford to waste it okay cool Um, when when people when they're when members of their race die their their bodies are kind of um the water is drawn out of them you gross and like oh given, and like given back to the tribe it's, oh, it's god kind of, it's kind of some neat stuff it is that is kind of, do you have to drink it or do you just like put it in a bottle and say that's grandpa <laughs> there's there's um the different little communities among among this race of freemen um they keep their water kind of in a centrally located area because they think that if they can get like enough green stuff growing on the surface of Dune, they can kind of essentially terraform the planet. Oh, now do these people and keep have... it from being? Oh, sorry. Do these people have technology no, no. to like travel? Are these people kind of bound to Dune? Do they have some of the more technological advances of the universe? Um, they've got some stuff. Like there's there's plenty of artillery and like weaponry that they have. There are kind of. Um, helicoptery things called ornithopters. Sure. <laughs> that basically just sound like big, like metal dragonflies that fly around. <laughs> all right. All right. Um, and yeah, they're like interplanetary travel is possible. Like um, the off world people, like the, the Duke and, and his family and like the, the subjects that they rule over all have access to, to technology and stuff. So, all right. 
Yeah, the, like I, I was doing a little bit of research, and the world has kind of a strange um, relationship to technology because this this is, I think, supposed to be our universe. Just yeah, it many is supposed to be ahead. Earth, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, like I'm not. I don't know which planet is supposed to be Earth. Like I'm sure it's a thing in one of the later books that they go into. But um, oh yeah, sorry, it's not this. It's not Dune that is Earth, but it is. It is a continuation of the current universe in which you and I are podcasting about dune yeah so basically like they there was some unpleasantness that related to artificial intelligence of course there was of course there was caused the the current state of affairs where you where you have to worry about things like genetic diversity (laughs) (laughs) okay and so they have technology but they don't have like robots they don't have like they don't have really um involved like computer systems or anything like that yeah um Okay, so again, let's let's check in again. Where right. where are we? So Paul and Jessica, his sister, his mother, his mother. All right, Jessica, his sister, his mother, his mother. <laughs> Oops, uh, they're hanging out. Sister, mother. Yeah, it's, it's the movie Chinatown. All of a sudden, um, he is hanging out with the Freeman on yeah. Dune. Yes, and so just as Paul is like the Quisatz Hatterack guy to the Benny Gesserit women. Uh huh. He is, a, and if you were keeping up with these names, you were doing a lot better than I was for the first first couple hours I was reading this book. But um, you know, just as he is this messianic figure to the like quote unquote civilized, you know, population of the of the galaxy, mm-hmm. he's also a similar kind of messianic figure to the freemen. He's like the one who will bring water to Dune and oh like. My God. And like rule over their people and like change the way of of things. Now I, sh- um, I I'm kind of sighing because of the like the nature of the heroic messiah story in science fiction, right? The, like yeah. the one who will bring balance to the force, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But this this book was written in 1965, before a lot of that other stuff was written. So I really shouldn't be like, wah, another story with a hero who's going to save the universe, right? Yeah, right. Okay. And um, I guess the the important stuff to understand is um, for this for just the first Dune book is um, is the stuff that we've talked about. So you okay. have the the uh, you have the Atreides, you have the Harkonnens, you have the Freemen, and you like have a have a you have a primer on all the like prophecies and stuff. Okay. So of course the book, you know, over the course of the book, he rallies the freemen and he beats the Harkonnens and he, you know, avenges his father. And okay. That's basically that's basically how the book ends. Is like he is, he is now, the the he takes over as emperor basically. Oh, okay. Of just yeah. Dune so he, or of everything? Of everything. So he's like emperor of everything, which is the civilized, <laughs> like the civilized quote unquote world. Okay, and um, he's also like the ruler of the of the freemen. So his, I guess, his seat of power would be on Arrakis. Okay, cool. All right, but the book, like the book, ends before it gets you know, before you actually see him actively ruling over everything. My understanding is that that happens more in later books. All right. So there you go. <laughs> so okay, <laughs> so here, here's the setup of Dune and the ending of Dune, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. Is it yeah. like, did you find it entertaining? Did you? I know, like, we don't want to slog through other details, but, like, were you interested in the story as it was going, or is it more interesting for the world that it created? 
Oh, you you like hit on all my big topics that I wanted to talk about like all at once. Oh, sorry. So well, let's no, unpack okay. it. Let's unpack it a little bit. <laughs> let's start with the setup and okay, like the cool. way he sets things up. Cool. Now, and it's coming through in our discussion is that like essential to an understanding of doing the book is an understanding of all these names of everything. Yeah. And like the the lore of the universe. And the book, I mean, the book just dumps you right into it. Like you, you just, you open it up and immediately they're throwing around these terms, you know, Benny Gesserit and Caladan and Arrakis and, and, um, you know, names and names and names. And I don't know, like, I don't know what the, what the like reason is why, why so many like fantasy and sci-fi authors always go right to assigning strange names to what might otherwise be like identifiable elements you know yeah well it's that i mean it's it's one of those things that always feels refreshing and i remember being refreshing when i first started watching game of thrones is like there's a king and his name is ned like or there's like a real (laughs) you know and like john you know, there's lots of normal names, but then then you meet a bunch of other people and they all have crazy, <laughs> crazy freaking names. <laughs> um, but I guess it's it's that sense of it has to be as foreign as possible because mm-hmm. it's in a completely foreign place. And so here in the Western world, it makes sense to use like I know some of the words in Dune, if they aren't exactly so feel very kind of Arabic or Middle Eastern in the or mm-hmm. in, in the roots of the names and stuff like that um which is fitting in with our like standard conceptions of you know that climate i suppose yeah and i'm not sure what frank herbert's like background is or if he has any particular interest in that in that kind of culture or anything like as far as i can tell there aren't a lot of like direct parallels drawn between people or races in the book and you know particular people or races in the in the real world you know yeah the only thing i the, i found when i was kind of trying to prepare for this was that herbert had read about like dunes in the state of oregon and some whatever studies that the united states was doing on them at the time in the 60s mm-hmm. i guess mm-hmm. um and kind of sparked his interest in ecology and how the world is kind of shaped and the society is shaped by the environment Mm -hmm. in which it exists, which kind of sounds like went right into this book. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's a huge part of, especially like the Freeman and stuff, like their whole way of life is, you know, it, it it revolves around conserving water and finding water and um, developing new ways to accumulate water. Well, and and like there was a, there was a, there's a particular thing in the book it talks about how they like water plants. Okay. And they basically have these little like black globe things that um that I guess stay really cold when the sun comes up and so they there's like condensation that forms on them. Huh. Briefly and like the the water from that condensation is like how they water the plants. That oh, they that's water. so smart. <laughs> yeah, it's it is that kind of it feels, as you talk about it, it feels so much like a bunch of other science fiction I read. And so it's very fitting that this is like earlier in science fiction's, you know, history, you know, mm-hmm. or at least comparative for us. It goes all the way back to Asimov and stuff like that. But yeah, um, yeah, it's kind of like you when, the you know, like Dyson Spheres, 
um, which are those things that Freeman Dyson said aliens would put around the sun to like mm-hmm. capture energy from the sun. And that's how mm-hmm. we know that there will be aliens because we will find them. Like it's these <laughs> kind of technologies that we couldn't possibly make now, but would come out of some sort of survivalist ingenuity. If yeah, we they'd were. be driven by by necessity. Yeah. What else about the whole kind of world world building thing struck you, Andrew, or world building in general that this book is making you think of? It's just it's all very. There are a lot of things like take like the ornithopters for instance, like sure. Now those are the helicopters, all, right? Those yeah, are not, like, they're helicopters, dinosaurs. but not like they serve exactly the same purpose <laughs> that helicopters would. You could hear them like you would hear helicopters. They can get like damaged and fall out of the sky like helicopters. Like they might as well just be helicopters. Okay, <laughs> but they're not, and I guess. <laughs> Like they're they are like helicopters in every conceivable way, except they aren't helicopters. <laughs> yeah, and it's just little stuff like that that kind of tries to reframe ordinary things as you know extraordinary and kind of futuristic. Do you, is this your? Do you think it's your critical eye kind of, or your mind's eye? Maybe I'm not sure. I'm kind of like pulling you out in those moments, or is that actually? when you're reading the book itself as opposed to outside the book like we are now, does that distract you while you're reading it? Or does it just kind of help maintain a consistency of fiction? Because I think that's the idea, right? Yeah, I mean, there there are like, once you are in it and once you are like familiar with the names, it doesn't pull you out anymore. Yeah, yeah. Definitely at the beginning, it's a bit rough to get going to like keep all the names straight. And when you run into a name that the book hasn't used in a while, oh yeah, okay. They, I mean, he doesn't offer a lot by way of context. Like you're just kind of expected to be keeping up with it, and it's not, it's not like really an issue. But sometimes you have to stop and think, okay, you know, what is what is a gamjabar? Which, for the record, <laughs> is like this this box that you stick your hand in and it makes you feel pain. And like, why would you ever do that? It's part of the Benny Gesserit test. Like you have to be able to. To withstand it, I guess. Wait, to prove that you're a Benny Jester or to prove that you're the Greasy Hat Rack? Well, I mean, since since to be the Kwisatz Haderach, you have to pass the Benny Jesseret tests. Oh, okay. It's, they're one and the same. Okay, cool. But it's, yeah, it's like it like tests their, um, their, uh, their ability to like suppress pain and suppress panic and just stay, you know, keep calm, which is a big thing with them. Very Jedi-like. Yeah. yeah, which is where that whole like fear is the mind killer things comes from. Like, is that, what like, is that? Can you ex- okay? Having gone through Dune now and uh, create getting a new understanding of a bunch of internet memes, like what have you learned <laughs> that you didn't know before? Can you explain I learned that some fear is the mind killer comes from Dune. What is- <laughs> <laughs> it just means if you if you are afraid, it's gonna keep you from doing other stuff. So okay. like, calm calm it down. Interesting. Take it down. Take it down a notch. All right. Is there anything else? Any other memes that you learned? Or is that it? I know there's lots of sandworms, right? That's a big thing. Yeah, there are a lot of sandworms, and they're like, I don't know. They're kind of, they're monsters, but they're also necessary because they, like, make the spice. Okay. It's part of the ecology. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And, like, the freemen ride them. Like, they're still kind of wild animals, but the freemen ride them and... And like respect them because they understand that that the worms make the spice. They are and the so buffalo. Big, yeah, basically. All right. And so when um, 
when Paul is like challenging the emperor, like he knows about the worms and that they make the spice. And he also knows that they die when they're exposed to water. And so he's like, well, I control these worms because I can kill them and make there be no more spice. Oh no. So you have to listen to me. <laughs> oh no. Okay. Yeah. But what? as far as like memes and stuff, I don't know. You just, you <laughs> once, once you read the book, just stuff pops out at you from all over the place. Okay. Now, before we move into the, the plot itself, I do want to, and this is something that I always kind of... Well, I think we're past the plot now, right? Well, no, but into, like, the other <laughs> stuff we wanted to talk about. Um, I wanted to talk about something that I always think about when I'm reading science fiction, especially science fiction that's, you know, 20 or 30 or even older. Is there stuff that's in this book that came out of Frank Herbert's, like, this could be the future mind that we have now or things that we have now render completely irrelevant? Does that make sense? Like... Um. In a post-internet... Try again. Okay. So, like, (laughs) science fiction, maybe 40 or 50 years ago, when they're talking about robotics and they're talking about artificial intelligence and stuff, like, Mm -hmm. the internet wasn't a thing. And all of the technology that's come out of it vis-a-vis smartphones and, you know, all that kind of futuristic stuff that we have now, save jetpacks. Like, is there anything in the book that feels weird through that lens? Because that's one of the things that kind of trips me up with some science fiction. I think one of the kind of smart things that Herbert does, whether whether this is actually intentional or not, is he moves so far into the future and he also makes it so that society just does not have any of this artificial intelligence stuff or yeah. like computer stuff. So so, you know, the the roots of like the internet and modern technology that would have been around in nineteen sixty five he kind of skirts around them by going way far in the future and also saying stuff like that was the cause of a big problem. And, oh, okay. You, know, you can't, people can't use that stuff anymore. So the world is very purposefully analog in a way. Yeah, like like there is there is machinery, yeah, but it's you don't have an idea of like machinery that can think for itself or like machinery that's networked with other machinery. Yeah, that doesn't exist. Um, yeah, like like there is technology, like there are nuclear weapons and stuff. Okay, all right. And there is, but you know, there are also kind of international laws, like you know, the use of nuclear weapons against humans has been forbidden. Obviously, like artificial intelligence has been forbidden. Now, it it doesn't sound like it factors into this book at all. Do you get the sense that later in the series they deal with any of this robotic nonsense? Um. From the limited amount of research I have done, no. Okay. But again, like I have not read any of the subsequent Dune books, and um, yeah, like I know I think the next one deals a lot with like Paul's rule and his like offspring and his sister, who factors into the into Dune in a very minor way that probably doesn't bear getting too far into. <laughs> okay. Um, and I think the third book deals with. His, Paul's son. Okay. And by then, enough time has passed that Dune is kind of no longer a desert planet and, like, the terraforming and stuff has come to pass. But um, by the time you get... By, like, that's as far as I go. Like, I know there are, there are more books out there and they cover more stuff. Yeah. But it just... It, it gets way too far removed from the first book, I think. For... I guess I didn't ask when you were talking about the Freeman. Are there aliens in Dune? Or is it just all people? 
They're all humans. Okay. But the freemen are like humans who are indigenous to Dune, or at least... Ever since long ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. like they've been there for so long that they're uniquely adapted to survival there. Interesting. All right. That's always just... Because that that can always have a huge effect on on what the story is potentially trying to say. Because I think that's Mm -hmm. another part of like science fiction world building. It works best when the worlds are kind of designed from the ground up with a particular thesis. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, things are interconnected in this way so that, you know, these are the only events that can transpire so that I can tell a story that is about such and such. You know. Yeah, and I, I think the larger, the largest theme that Dune probably has is probably one of like environmentalism. Okay, in a in what way? Well, just that terraforming Dune is going to be something that requires effort from everybody, like concerted effort mm-hmm. to conserve water and to use it wisely and to only use it like as directed. Yeah, and this is in a society where water is like the most valuable thing that there is. So there's this, there's this real, um, there's, you get the, a real sense of, you know, people have to make sacrifices so that things will be better mm. later on. Oh, all right. And, and also like, re, you know, respect for nature in like the Freeman's respect for the sandworms and, and, you know, things like that. Being humbled by nature and whatnot. Yeah. yeah. Right. All right. Something that we are dealing with now on a regular basis. Thanks mm. snow in late March. <laughs> yeah. I am all the time humbled by <laughs> When I moved to New Jersey, you know what I didn't worry about? You know what I didn't think I would ever have to be worried about? Hurricanes. No, There's I, been a hurricane every year I've lived here. I didn't tell you about that, that we occasionally get those out here on the Secret East Coast. Secret hurricanes. Secret hurricanes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's what that's what the Hurricane Sandy was. It was a secret hurricane, Andrew. No one heard about it. Nobody, like nobody west of Philly, even knows about Sandy. No, no one's heard Chris Christie yelling about it for months since. Um, okay, but enough about hurricanes. <laughs> what I think what I asked you earlier before we got into the world building stuff was, did you find the book entertaining, like as a as a story other than because that's the other dividing line i think in a lot of science fiction it becomes very interesting world building or it's like a really good plot sometimes books have both but they don't always i thought i i did enjoy the book but there is one major structural thing that really kind of sapped the momentum for me and um so basically it's um it's divided up into chapters and before every chapter you'll get like a like an excerpt or a verse or something from like an in an in-world text. Okay. That's a trope I'm familiar with of some kind, yeah. Yeah, and it's from this text it is very obvious from the outset that Paul lives through everything, that he wins and that he is emperor. <laughs> okay. All right. So and and I mean there are other things too, but um Basically, these verses kind of serve as a setup and as foreshadowing for the text that follows in a lot of ways. Yeah, which which it should. Yeah, okay. And I I don't know. Like I I found that that kind of um kind of stifled the suspense. Like I I could, and and this is something that maybe I want to talk about a little bit more later. I think I would have liked this book more if I'd come to it as a teenager. Of course. Um, but like reading it now like it's i i read these verses and like i can figure out pretty easily what 
you know what they're referring to and what's oh, going to happen. So you so you're having the experience of reading them and being like, "Oh, what does that mean? I can't imagine what that could possibly like." And you're not I'm not I'm kind of mocking 13-year-old Andrew at this moment, which I don't mean <laughs> to be, but like you genuinely would be wondering what that's about and excited for the book to then follow up on it. Yeah, and I think that's the idea. And I was talking to um to my fiance about this um, the other day is I, I was saying, you know, I, I didn't think that I didn't think that that served the story particularly well. And, and she was saying, well, you know, sometimes when you when you read these little snippets of things, it makes you more interested in figuring out, you know, how it happened now that you know what happened. Yeah, there's it's the question of dramatic irony. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and working in a field in theater where we produce a lot of things that people already know, like it's funny to, to take the, to take like Shakespeare plays into schools because not all of them know the end of Romeo and Juliet, like what, <laughs> or, or like the fate of certain characters they're in, you know? Um, whereas if you already know that play, you get a very different experience or Greek tragedy is all about you knowing the story ahead of time and then mm-hmm. being reminded of that story along the way. Um, so that can be very purposeful and depending on the story can be very effective, but it's not usually adventure stories where that's a, that's like a thing that happens, mm-hmm. which is, is that what the bulk of what Paul's up to feels like? Um, it feels kind of, it's, it's kind of adventure and simultaneously kind of, I guess the closest word I can think of is like biblical. Yeah. Okay. I guess because there's so many like messianic overtones and um well that's well that's another he point. is he is sort of almost kind of supernatural in a way because he has a he has a certain like prescience like he can he can kind of see he can't see the future but he can see like many possible futures oh okay. and he can kind of see how the present how actions taken in the present can have like a million different effects in the future. Useful, useful. So, um, I guess you never really, I never really get the sense that he struggles very much. Okay. In, in the sense that you might in an adventure story, like if you take Lord of the Rings, for example, like that whole book is about like hardship and struggling and fighting against improbable odds or fighting against temptation also a lot. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Whereas in, whereas in Dune, the whole time, like between the um, between like the excerpts that foreshadow what's going to happen, and like Paul's able you know, ability to um, to see the future and you know in a limited way, you almost get the idea sometimes that he's just kind of connecting the dots. Like he's doing he's doing the things that he has to do because he knows that he has to do them, and he doesn't always know how they're going to turn out. But the reader always knows. Is there along the way? palpable danger to potentially like other people he cares about or something like that. Cause I'm trying to think of other similar stories where there's like a hero kind of Messiah character. I'm thinking of the matrix, right? Yeah. Where like, I don't think I would ever assume watching the matrix for the first time that Keanu Reeves is actually going to like die along the way or, you know, some, he's going to make it cause he's the main character. That's probably what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. But along the way they do a decent job in that movie, at least of making you worry about the people around him. And yeah, and you, and you do you do do that a bit in in Dune. Like, um, you you worry about. I mean, you know that his that Paul's dad is going to die like pretty pretty mm. early. You know he's going to be betrayed, but um, 
it doesn't it doesn't stop you from like wanting and I, I do this with stuff that I've already seen before, too, that when I know something bad is going to happen to a character, I'm like, you know, maybe it might be different this time. <laughs> he, he might be able to get out of it. I like, guess those are good characters. Even though I know, then, even though yeah. I know that's not going to happen, like, you know, I want it to happen. I don't know if that's something that you can. This time the coyote won't look down and fall after he runs yeah, off. Like, yeah, like, dude, you've done this before. Just, <laughs> just figure it out. <laughs> And um, but what are those? Um, do those snippets at the beginnings of chapters to take this back a little bit? Is that part of the, from what I read, like the biographical bent of? Is like the novel supposed to? How is it told? Like who's the narrator? Is that ever explained? Um, there's no one narrator. Most of it, um, I think most of it kind of takes place in in rooms like imagine just a camera set up in a oh, room okay. and like you and you jump back at like you'll be you'll be in Paul's head listening to what he thinks and then in Jessica's head listening to what he thinks and then like in Baron Harkonnen's head listening to what he thinks but it jumps around very seamlessly like it's not a, it's not kind of a game of thrones or yeah, real yeah. time style thing where every where every time you're reading something like it is from a, one character's viewpoint oh okay yeah, so it, it's it it jumps around a lot. Like, there's no narrator there, but um, but I guess there is like, an, you you are where you, the reader is where they need to be, like when they need to be there. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, no, that makes total sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but save the. Do you like the world of Dune? If maybe you found the execution of its story less riveting as it might otherwise have been. Yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of considering continuing reading the next couple anyway, just just to see what happens with Paul and like what happens with the planet. Like even though I know from my research for this book kind of the very general broad outline of the next couple books. Like I you know, I I'm I'm not going to say I'm never going to do this. I, I I do think I would have liked this better 10 or 10 or 12 years ago, but uh, is there anything other than that that one example that you can think of of why you would have liked it longer ago? Because that's something that comes up, I think, with a lot of these, with like Star Wars and Star Trek that a lot of us got into when we were in middle or high school and we are still fascinated by, or at least pay homage to whenever a new movie comes out kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, I I think it's... Because the best science fiction stuff, like take... Star Wars and Star Trek. Well, take like the best of each franchise. Okay. When you're a kid, you like it because spaceships. Yep. And when you're an adult, you like it because it's telling human stories or like it's making, especially in Star Trek, it's making like a statement on the wider human condition. Yep. yep. Or like commenting on society or something. Um, so, I mean, in, in that respect, Dune kind of hits those, hits those marks. I think the kids will or like teenagers or, you know, whatever age people come to this book at will appreciate kind of the adventure elements and kind of the mystical elements a little more than I did. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then like, as, as they grow up, they'll, they'll appreciate like the environmentalism and like the, the, and they'll be able to appreciate like the way that Herbert has kind of made the, you know, the freemen and like crafted their way of life around the resource that they need. 
Yeah. And so I guess like reading it now, I miss out on part of that equation. It almost feels like you're rereading it without having read it the first time. Yeah, like I don't I don't have it's it's like reading it but like I don't have the nostalgia for yes. the story or, or the characters which, that I think a lot of people yeah, have. Which I feel like a lot of these universes have. You know, what's drawing me into something newer like Game of Thrones is all these wonderful characters, but like the world building stuff is all stuff I read in like my teens or earlier. Like just kind mm-hmm. of places that were very interesting to go and think about and escapist and yada, yada, yada. And then if you're going to get anything deeper out of it, you should be a bit more of an adult, and it's probably when you're rereading it later. I don't know. Yeah. That's interesting. So I'm, yeah, and I think that's why I still like Lord of the Rings so much, is it's mm. not like it's a... It's I, I still like it a lot, and I think it's a pretty good book. I mean, there are pretty big holes. You know, why, why don't the eagles just fly them there? But... Uh, <laughs> Both because I liked it when I was a kid and because I, you know, every time I read it, I kind of notice something new about it. Yeah. I still like it. And so I'm kind of doing that with Dune, except without the part where I'm nostalgic about it from from Interesting. childhood. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that wraps this up. Yeah. I think so that's, where, that's where I am. And I think I got through all the names. I think I pronounced them mostly okay. And I think we avoided... Probably a whole bunch of other names that you didn't want to pronounce, right? Oh, yeah, man. You get into a bunch of names if you want. <laughs> All right. Well, if you want to correct Andrew on any of his pronunciations, um, <laughs> you can email us at overduepod at gmail.com or you can tweet them at us at, at overduepod on Twitter. You can also write about them in our Facebook page. Just search overdue. Uh, what else can they do, Andrew? Um, you can hop up on our website, overduepodcast.com, and up there we have links to our RSS feed. We have uh, an iTunes link if you'd like to subscribe, uh, rate, and review us. We would like that very much. If you would direct you know, direct a couple of your more bookish friends our way and tell them that you think we're great, uh, we, would, we would appreciate that. We're always trying to build our audience. And uh, also on that website, if you'd like to support us financially, we will include links to um to the amazon listings for every book that we talk about and um also the books from the next uh the next two weeks you know provided we can stay two weeks ahead on this Mm -hmm. thing (laughs) um so yeah if you want to read along or if you want to read all the stuff in dune that i skipped uh yeah go to overduepodcast.com and use that use that link to buy the book and we'll we'll get a little bit a little bit of the green stuff yeah and that goes mostly to support uh our hosting and kind of keeping all these up and ready for you to go download all that kind of good stuff. And also if we can fill a swimming pool with dollar bills and swim around in it, like Scrooge McDuck. Yeah, that would be podcast money. That would be ideal. My podcast money pool. That's, that's the real goal (laughs) of overdue. That's the end game. Tune in next week. (laughs) 